Welcome back to For Fintech's Sake. I'm Zach Anderson Pettit, U.S. Content Director at Money 2020, and your unqualified host. This week, we welcome an old friend, Andrew Endicott. Andrew has a storied background in fintech from co-founding Pedal to his work today as co-founder and general partner at Gilgamesh Ventures. We dig into the foundations of cash flow underwriting and journey all the way into the world of venture across the Americas. Not venture for America, venture capital across the Americas. Multiple Americas. If you want to jump to a specific piece of the conversation, take a gander at the show notes. We've recently started breaking down the show by specific topic in the notes. So you can hop into specific subjects if you're just dying to get there and cannot wait. And now my conversation with Andrew Endicott. Now we're rolling, Andrew. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. It's good to it's good to to hang out. It's been a while. Dude, it's great to hang out. Last time we I mean we were kind of starting this a little bit down in the in the lobby when I was picking you up and, and bringing you all up these 27 floors. Um but yeah, last time we hung out was in the uh I, bl- I believe I even specifically remember the bar, the Monarch Bar in Kansas City. Oh yeah, that, yeah, with the, the, uh, the the poker dice. I think. Yes, I I was gonna <laughs> let you bring that up, not me, but there were definitely poker die involved, and I believe you left about twenty. Speaking of twenty seven, about twenty seven dollars less than you had when you yes. walked in. Yeah. I don't think that night ended up well for you necessarily. Yeah, it was a uh, economically no, <laughs> <laughs> but you had a good time. It was, it was great. It was yeah, great. it was fun. Yeah, so. And that was what? Like I was, dude, I'm two come. No. Okay. So NBKC to bond to now money 2020. So it's probably been like four years. I mean, it was definitely pre pandemic that we yeah, hung out. I think it, I think was, it was like 2019, 20, 2019, 18 or 19. Yeah. yeah. Something in that, in yeah. that area. So you yeah. were, you were at pedal at that point. <laughs> yes. That's right. And a lot has happened since then. So give us yeah. like the, so the, cause I know a lot of this, give the listeners a little bit of the, <laughs> the Andrew background, kind of how you got to pedal. And then we'll talk a little bit of yeah. pedal and kind of how that got you to Gilgamesh. Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting you know, kind of course over the years. I'm I'm originally from the southern U.S. I'm from Arkansas, uh, and you know, spent the you know the, the vast majority of my time growing up there. Went to college at the University of Arkansas, and 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 uh, what did you gradu- study again? Uh, study accounting. Okay, okay, which, uh, makes sense for you know a man that ends up as CFO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, straightforward. I think it's, a, it's an underrated, I think, area of study. I don't think practicing it's particularly fun, and I, and I never really wanted to do that. But but uh, yeah, it's important to to understand yeah, whether I, something makes money or not. Yeah, I think in, <laughs> there's a, probably a lot of founders out there, especially today, that wish they had maybe studied accounting yeah. earlier on. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the accounting's <laughs> become more important. One, one might say. Yeah, um, yeah, to say the least. To say the least. Yeah, but uh, graduated, you know, around the financial crisis, uh, which was a it's a great time to get a job. Um, and so I, I especially I, in, I mean, of course, yeah. you know, what, what could you ask for that could be any better? Yeah. But, uh, so I, I, I didn't, I didn't go the, the working path. I, I went to more school, went to, to Harvard law school, which was a interesting, you know, kind of cultural shift from, from Arkansas to, I was going to say you were I'm, Boston. Yeah. I'm guessing you were, uh, were probably the only one on that plane from Arkansas to Boston. You know, there were, there were two, there were actually two other people in my class. Oh, cool. Uh, from Arkansas. It's, it's Harvard's, I think the biggest law school. Um, oh, of, really? of all the U.S. law schools, so it's it's pretty big. Um, huh. So I was not the only Arkansas. I, there, I think there are years 
where there are none. Um, I would assume, you know, the, 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 there's some volatility in the, <laughs> in the Arkansan uh, yeah. upward mobility to yeah. Harvard law school, uh, direction. Yeah. I think we were a bumper crop, uh, <laughs> fair. In, in, in 2009. Um, but yeah, did, did, did kind of a tour of duty in law school. Enjoyed it. Um, I think, I think it's a good thing to study kind of like accounting, I guess the, uh, it, uh, makes you think a little differently. It, g- it gives you a framework. Uh, for 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 thinking about problems, which so is the um, teaching you how to think things true? Um, I it, it I think it teaches you a way to think. Okay. Uh, which which can be it can be kind of a it can be paralyzing a little bit. I think a lot of a lot of lawyers get a little stuck in in kind of that way of seeing the world. You know, whereas somebody who's who's a you know let's say like a film director or something sure. is going to see the world very differently. They're going to see problems differently, and and so I think you know you'll talk to a lot of lawyers that are kind of frustrated you know, with the, their career themselves or whatever. And I think it's that you're kind of, you're, 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 you're a little, um, you know, what's the word? It's not, the law is not a cult, but you're, you're kind of a little brainwashed uh, to, to, to see things through a very specific lens that can be frustrating. That's interesting. Uh, or, or kind of stifling. Sometimes. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it almost a little bit sounds like medicine where um, you're kind of, kind of taught to think inside of these lines and to, to go that direction sort of thing. But I've always thought yeah. of law as this more expansive kind of mind, mind expanding thing. But I suppose when it comes to creativity and pieces of uh, kind of unpacking problems that have heretofore not been solved, I guess that is different. Yeah. I, I think it, you, you, my opinion is that to, to be a thoughtful person, like a kind of a thinker, you need, you need a variety of frameworks. Yes. Um, and in the same way that, you know the the to, to to be good at math sometimes you got to memorize some multiplication tables right like right. Just, there's a foundation you need to build yeah um i think to 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 really develop yourself to the utmost extent you need more than one framework um and so the law is one of those frameworks and but to i think to be creative like you you know you kind of mentioned that i think it's helpful to be able to step outside of it as well yeah were you like when you were at harvard did did you catch yourself drinking that Kool-Aid at all in terms of like oh shit i'm you know at Harvard Law, I am learning the way to think. I am the shit. Like, was there a slippery slope into a little bit? I, of that? I don't think I ever thought I was the no? shit. Uh, <laughs> I the, think you're the shit, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. I think you're the I, shit. Yeah, I've, you know, I've, I have a positive opinion of myself. I but, think you do it great, man. <laughs> you do it great. But um, yeah, I, I knew I not completely. I, I knew I was. I knew I was. I, I expected, and this happened. I, I expected to practice law um, for for a brief period of time, but. But uh, knew that was not going to be what I was going to do forever. So. I cannot imagine you practicing law for an extended period of time. You know, but I, maybe that's just because I know you today. Yeah, eh, I, th- I think it was kind of obvious. Kind of knew if I would have known you then, I would have felt <laughs> yeah. the same. Yeah, okay. exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So after you practiced law, where did we go from there? Yeah, or was so, that the that was the next? So step? I, I, I graduated from. I did graduate from from law school. That a boy. I, I did. I didn't fail to graduate. <laughs> um, I you take the bar. Yep. Uh, which which um. Yeah, basically, just they they give you a stack of books, you know, like two two and a half feet tall. Yeah. You have to what state of, did you take the bar in? New York. Okay. New York, which I, I think is the, the second hardest. I think. Um, I don't know, but I I believe you. Yeah. I would assume. Yeah, the, it's probably the, not the easiest. Yeah, I, I think California is the hardest. Um, I would believe the thickness yeah. of that book. I'm sure is yeah not to be understated. Well, it's interesting. It's a little. It's it's the 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 stats on California. I mean, you, you're you know they're assessing which one's the hardest. I believe by the passage rate. Um, ah, okay. but the, 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 the passage rate in California, from what I understand is somewhat, um, impacted by, um, the fact that I, I think in, this may, this was the case. I don't know if it still is 
But in California, you were allowed to take the bar exam and become a lawyer um, without having gone to an accredited law school. Uh, I think it's kind of a remnant of like the old apprenticeship model. Huh. Uh, they hadn't changed it. So you, I think my understanding is in California, at least historically, you had people taking the bar that actually hadn't gone to study law, um, which you would you would expect that now that you can't become a fa- fantastic lawyer that way. I'm sure you can. I think like the founding fathers did that. But yeah, um, I think this is the uh, plot for suits. So yeah. <laughs> is, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, the only thing I remember from Suits is that Me- Meghan Markle was 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 apparently in it. That so. was, I mean, th- that's pretty much the only thing I think anyone remembers from Suits at this point. But I, <laughs> I think yeah. that, that uh, the, the other thing I remember is is whatever that show was is not an accurate depiction of the legal profession. I, that is also <laughs> very accurate. I think the way that it starts is the main character like lying his way into the law firm yeah. by saying that he went to Harvard when he didn't, uh, and like yeah. he's got some you know autodidactic situation. Like yeah. he's just a complete and utter genius. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, I don't think that's reality. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. But in like seven seasons later, yeah. I think they're on like season 10 or something. But right. anyway, so took the bar. Yeah, took the bar, uh, moved to New York from from Cambridge slash Boston, uh, which are very different places. I lived in both in Cambridge and Boston, um, <clears throat> but moved, moved to New York. And I, I've lived in Manhattan, you know, kind of ever since. But I, I started as a lawyer at a firm called Wilkie. Foreign Gallagher, which is a great firm. W- Wendell Wilkie uh, ran for president um, against against uh, FDR. He did not win. Um, or else that name would mean something else. A law firm, you know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Came out wealthier than some. Yeah, yeah. That, it's, I think owning a law firm is a pretty pretty good thing most of the time. I, I don't own, own a law firm myself. He's <laughs> <laughs> not speaking from personal experience, yeah, exactly. Andrew. <laughs> I mean, I would like. It would be kind of cool to own a law firm. But, but uh, We're going to stop this podcast here and go found a law firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Next uh, step. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I, I don't think I, I think you have to be a lawyer to to found to own a law firm really and i'm no longer a lawyer yeah so the the uh yeah there's a lot of barriers to entry to the shit yeah yeah it's it's uh i, th- I think it's convenient that they did that <laughs> I, you know i kind of wonder like does do not pay eventually become a law firm like yeah, does josh I, I have mean, to go the, become a lawyer <laughs> well th- there's the whole debate about you know kind of uh, ai you know right and the, the ability to practice law yeah the, the do not pay thing kind of uh, having having a a, 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 little, a little ear set, somebody in a, law, in a in a courtroom listening to basically chat GPT telling them what to argue. It, I think they pulled it, but it would have been pretty cool to see what happened. God. It's going to happen at some point. It's Something definitely like that. going to. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, I do not pay becoming a law firm. I mean, they kind of kind of already are. Uh, yeah. I, technically, I actually don't know how they're yeah. organized. Or, but anyways, yeah. I mean, I was joking and now I'm like, well, maybe that's a reality. Uh, but also that's fintech these days as I was joking and maybe that's reality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 The, the, the joke's not always funny. No, it's not, but we laugh to keep from crying. Yeah. Fuck. Um, okay. So how, how long did you practice law? I think for, for two years, something like that. And um, were we beating our head against a wall the whole time? Did we enjoy any of it? Uh, yeah, I, I I say this a lot. I enjoyed the 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 context. I, I enjoyed the deals that I was working on. So I was a cor- I was a corporate lawyer. Okay. I, I was not a not a uh, litigator, uh, which is the other primary category. I think right. that mostly <clears throat> is th- th- those are kind of comprehensive. I think that catches most of what what lawyers do. Uh, maybe excluding tax law and some other other categories, but. But uh, so I was a corporate lawyer and was working doing uh, M&A, uh, mergers and acquisitions, um, and then, you know, capital markets type stuff. And 
And uh, I, I enjoyed the the deals that I was working on. It was kind of cool to read about things in the newspaper, which you know the, the, the yeah. is what kind of Wall Street law firms do. Uh, you, you get You're the, like, oh, I touched that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I I was a very tiny, tiny, tiny. Tiny still, touch to that. But still, you <laughs> yeah. open, you have your cup of coffee, you open the Wall Street Journal, and you feel like, you know, yeah. a king. You felt cool for about 15 seconds. Right. Not much uh, longer, but yeah. that 15 seconds was good. Yeah. And then you try and <laughs> brag about it to your friends, and people just want you to be quiet. Um, it's, uh, but no, I, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed kind of the context. Yeah. Uh, I didn't particularly enjoy what I was doing. Right. So you um, realized that you liked business, and then maybe this yeah. law thing wasn't totally necessary. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. I think that's right. So I, I, you know, I wanted to be, around people that were doing significant things uh that were you know and this was all private sector stuff i mean i think i i i dabbled in helping a nonprofit do something once but the um (laughs) but but, this one time i helped the united way yeah across the street yeah (laughs) but but uh so i i liked i liked helping uh which that's what corporate lawyers do You're, you're kind of you're 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 assisting somebody to do something big or bigger, or, sure. you know, to tr- to some kind of transaction. Um, so I like that. And I wanted to keep doing the the the, the big things, but I didn't want to do it as a lawyer. Um, yeah, makes sense. Which is a natural segue. I I, I kind of after after a couple of years at Wilkie, um, and, and by the way, I really enjoyed the people I work with. They're very very good at what they do, um, <clears throat> and keep in touch with a lot of them. But um, I, I I became an investment banker, uh, which which uh you know at this point I can kind of look back in my career and I've done. Done, you know, a lot of the, 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 the you know, I think for, uh, insiders know not particularly fun jobs. You've checked uh, the painful boxes, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah from, I, I mean, law school, I guess, sounds glamorous to some, but it doesn't yeah. sound glamorous to me. And then yeah. being an early, like, associate, I mean, associated law firm right. and then investment banking, like, analyst, I'm guessing to some degree. Yeah. Or, so I was an associate. Oh, so, okay. Associate, Either yeah. way, these sound painful and, like, you know, you were, uh, you were marching uphill, but yeah, I, th- I think it, it's an interesting question. Like the which which career is ble- less pleasant, being a, a lawyer, or a banker, and I think they're, they're just unpleasant in different ways. The <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Especially I'm an investment banker. I feel like that's the this it's a very New York thing to just say banker, right? Um, but I feel like that's you know as soon as you land in KC yeah. and you say yeah, banker, yeah, it's like Walker Wells Fargo, you know, like or you know uh, Encore or MBKC or you know whatever, right. like these different um, you know. Right. Community banks or whatever—it's just a yeah. Investment banking seems like a v- tough slog. Yeah, it's tough. I think it's actually gotten some ways tougher. Also, the the how so? Yeah, the, the it's it's not as fun of an industry as it was. I, I think I think it, the, well, I mean, the, the, that that fun obviously had some negative ramifications. But, yeah, but uh, you know, there's, but it was fun. Yeah, I, I think it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, you know, that like like a lot of parties, there's a, there's a hangover afterwards, and I think all, the industry's almost still in that. Um, but I think, you know, kind of before the financial crisis, you can look back like dot com, you know, kind of pre 2008 mortgage. I mean, it was, it was incredible. The, 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 the people, the, the, basically every bank was, was just minting massive amounts of money and, and, um, you know, they're working incredibly hard and the, the things about the, the industry that sucked also sucked then, yeah. but you at least had this upside and kind of success that, that made it, made it worthwhile for people to be in it. I think, Post financial crisis, which when I was a banker, um, you had the you had the kind of the crappy parts. You, you didn't have so much the the great parts. Um, so it you know it's not not that bankers don't, don't the investment bankers don't do great and make a lot of money and I'm sure they have you know fun, but it's not quite as as uh, gilded as it was. No, it's not. But it's still 
it's definitely not as gilded as it was, but it is a, it, it's one of those rites of passage similar to law school where you just kind of continuously, continuously find the most successful people in the world. And yeah. Like the real doers coming yeah. out of that. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think that there, there's a, I mean, it's, it's, it almost kind of one of those Peter Thiel things like the, you know, should you seek competition? Should you avoid competition? Yeah. Um, law firms are one of those, but, but um, investment banks are another. They, they, they just attract people that are, they're super ambitious. Um, and I, I think there's, there's a lot of benefit to being around that at least, you know, temporarily. I don't think they're, they're, it uh, shifts your relationship with money. I would assume. Yeah. You, 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 you kind of, you understand money when it's got a lot more zeros behind it Yeah, and, and money becomes different when there's a lot more zeros behind it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think also, I think you, you kind of see money as, as something that, that, that is, it's almost more of a, you know, and not in like a personal sense, you have it, but it's it's commodity. It's something that can be acquired right. almost by by an idea or by by you know, kind of exchange of other things. Like, yeah, like it loses talent. its emotion to me. Like yeah. the the more I time I right. spend around money, or like the more time <laughs> that's such a weird sentence. The more <laughs> time I spend around, just fucking Scrooge around. McDuckin <laughs> around over here. Which, by uh, the way, is my my favorite favorite uh, cartoon character Scrooge McDuck the, if, if Scrooge McDuck <laughs> isn't your favorite cartoon character you're in the wrong goddamn industry right yeah right? It's, it's, I mean, it's the, like, the official character of fintech exactly <laughs> like the Bugs Bunny get the hell out of here what are we talking about no yeah. Scrooge McDuck um, no but the the more time I guess I spend <laughs> to your point it's not necessarily my money um, but the more time that I spend around the money industry around right. banking around everything I mean like my mom made I think maybe I think that her highest earning year was like 50 K at some, yeah. some point, but it's like, that was really, really high. Right. And when I started telling her about some of the money, not even that I'm making, but just as associated yeah, just, with the just, industry, just you know, through the, yeah, the veins she, of the financial she's system. just very yeah. confused, you yeah. know? And then I take a step back and I'm like, Oh fuck, that is kind of, yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is why you have this like emotional relationship with money. And I have this like very transactional relationship yeah. with money. And I think of it as like an amorphous, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think it's, it's even more than that. I think, <clears throat> and you, you hear people like the behavioral economists will talk about this. The, the 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 humans have these kind of moral um you know compasses or com- compass i don't i don't know what the Come plural, by? I, don't I don't think i don't, think, I don't, I don't think that's it i don't think that's it um but, don't but, google that kids yeah, yeah yeah the i think the the, the, the moral guidelines of, yeah. of money um you know dictate certain behaviors um that, that a behavioral economist will tell you are actually wrong like things like mental accounting and you know, loss aversion, and I, I don't even remember what these things really are sometimes. But but their society and history have set people up to behave around money in a certain way. That particularly as you get, you know, as, as we said, as you add those zeros, um, <clears throat> those rules are debatably. Um, and I think this is a thing where we, as a society, actually do debate this and need to probably come to agreement. Those rules are debatably not applicable, and you can think about this like. Uh, you know, deficits at the 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 national right, level, yeah. Like the you know the the the, the kind of the <clears throat> the amorphous moral rules of money uh, say that you know you should live within your means and you should shouldn't spend more money than you have and right. and a lot of things we debate as a country are like should we you know should that apply to a country uh, and, and there, there's actually a pretty I think uh, lively debate among macroeconomists you know modern monetary theory people on one side and and <clears throat> everybody else on the other. Um, as to whether that's true, um, and you know, and it's it's it, I think you know, apropos of right now, we're having the debt ceiling stuff, which yeah, which, uh, it, that is exactly what that's about. Um, yeah, 
and so I, you know, it's it. Uh, but th- th- that's I think that's something I've kind of learned, you know, just being around a lot of these things. I mean, it's it's like I have yet to. I mean, I feel I feel lucky to get to speak with maybe more billionaires than the average person, and pretty much any time that I talk to like a centimillionaire or billionaire, right, they still say I don't have a concept of a, what a trillion is. Right. Right. Like that, that is so far out there and so far disconnected that it's just like, well, but yeah, no, I'm not even going to try and think about it. And then your brain just breaks and the ability to like rationally even have that conversation, discussion or debate seems to dissipate because nobody can wrap their head around this thing. And and now we're going to make a trillion dollar coin. You know, that's that's what we're talking about. It's it's wild. I mean, Um, I've heard, I've heard that, that, uh, if we make that thing, there's going to be, you know, there's going to need to be a lot of security around it. <laughs> you would think so. You would think so. It's yeah. I mean, <laughs> the only thing that I'm like curious how big it's going to be. You know, like I think it's got to weigh at least several pounds. I feel like they. I hope they make it in Texas. You know, <laughs> that's that's the. I feel like the the biggest linchpin here is making it in Texas. Yeah. Um. No, I mean, I feel like it. One, ironically, will probably be tiny, and two, will probably have yeah, like Mona Lisa level, right. if not more than it, Mona it, Lisa level, you know, the, security. I don't have they have they decided who's going to be on the face of it. The like what 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 what? Oh, which, there's which so many terrible figure? answers to that. <laughs> There's so many terrible answers. My my answer is I don't know. Scrooge McDuck. I, think, I, I mean, think Scrooge McDuck is the right fucking answer. <laughs> but I feel like it would just be funny to have Janet Yellen or somebody like. Yeah, you know, yeah. just like. What? Yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad options. Like, yeah, options. Paul Krugman. I don't yeah. know. There's a lot of really funny ones. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just Scott Galloway's face on there. <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't even really know how that relates. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 yeah. They should actually sell the rights to to who's on it. At that, at this point, that would maybe be one. Like if Bezos could bid on it, maybe yeah. that could actually help the national. Yeah, it, would, debt. it would help the. It would. Yeah. it would eliminate the need. For See, the, this the is coin. where your problem background solving. of finance and law is coming together to solve yeah. real problems right. in the United right. States today. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> we need to get credit for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so everybody, come back to this piece of the podcast whenever this happens, <laughs> and we will take our silver coins for the gold coin. Yeah, that's right. Um. Okay, so take me forward from there. Uh, how did was there a jump between there and pedal, or how did how did we yeah, get to so pedal? Yeah, so I was I was a I was a I think we left stopped where I was a banker, yeah, um, investment banker, and and I did that similar amount of time as as kind of the the being a lawyer, working on similar ish things. I, I was I was working uh, doing M and A transactions, so kind of companies selling themselves to private equity. Man likes doing yeah. deals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd be removing yeah. this pile of money, this pile of money over here. Um, <laughs> it's it, it, got a big forklift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just moving stuff around. Yeah. Um, but I, I was a lot of the the types of deals I was working on was uh, it was a lot of it was consumer lending, or at okay. least kind of you know it had elements of consumer lending. It wasn't all consumer lending, but but that that was that that played a role in a lot of what I was what I was doing. And so you're having to learn about underwriting. You're yeah, having to learn exactly. about this whole new world. Yeah, I was having to learn about how and a lot of the 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 stuff I was working on were, were things that banks didn't want to do. Uh which I think that's that's a pretty significant theme in fintech. Well, that is the theme, right? Yeah, that, I mean that's that's yeah, what the do idea. Banks not do or do poorly or not want to do. Right. Um, that's in you know, except for insure tech and things like that, that's kind of kind of it. Right. Even then, what do insurers do poorly? Or you know, I yeah. mean, it's it's what do they do it all. Broad, yeah, well, that's a ooh, 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 getting philosophical. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, the the broadness of that, like you know, this group is underserved. Let's take a product and go serve them. Right. That's, right. That's the ethos. I think. Yeah. And and that that world has has existed for a long time. It, it, they, but it's been gross, right? I mean, coming from KC, like fucking the payday loan world has been yeah. there, but it's been 
icky. Yeah, they, so they call it specialty finance. Uh, that's um, not what I call it, but yeah. that's a good term yeah, for it. It's, it. it kind of makes it sound special. I mean, uh, <laughs> Scott Tucker would agree. Yeah. You know, from his jail cell in Leavenworth. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so, so, uh, but you have, you have a lot of these companies and this was, this was kind of in the mid teens, I think, you know, kind of pre 2015, roughly yeah. when I was there. Um, and, and so a lot of, a lot of lending, you know, a lot of it was, was, uh, populations that are, let's just say not served well, yeah. kind of low to moderate income, you know, some, some, some kind of, uh, you know, small business type type things, which I think still are, both those things are pretty significant, um, audiences of a lot of FinTech in, in a variety of ways. And some of these are public companies now, some were public companies. Um, so I was doing that and, and started just personally to to spend a lot of time um, learning about underwriting, yeah. um, and and it's it um, it's something that intellectually intrigued me. Um, we worked with a couple companies that they were doing interesting stuff, and and um, you know I, I'd always been pretty intrigued by credit scores. I think it's it's an, uh, intrigued or 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 Pissed. irritated, <laughs> yeah. And, and um, you got questions either way. I mean, no matter your feeling about credit scores, I feel like there's no one in or out of the industry that doesn't have questions. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, it's 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 mind boggling. Yeah, the, it the, is. The, 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 and there are a few places in life, I think, outside of the education system, where your existence is boiled down to, to a, a number. number. Yeah, totally um, agree. I've never thought about the education system piece, but I yeah, you I get see a grade point going. average yeah. sort of. The, I mean, in, in China, the, the social credit scores, uh, which yeah. I, I think, you know, the, from the U.S. standpoint, we find kind of viscerally scary uh, as un, shit. Uh, yeah, un, un, ungood. Yeah, <laughs> ungood is. A- <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 I think but I think as 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 funny as this, I think I think we 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 feel the same thing towards. You know, actual credit scores. No, uh, and, I totally, and, and, and I totally like, agree. Really, is there is there that big a difference between a financial credit score and a social credit score? I mean, yeah, there is, but but the the, the it's the same problem. You're you're kind of taking a person's entire existence, um, in at least from one dimension, and 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 kind of just distilling it into to one thing so you can compare it to people. Uh, but in reality, everyone's financial circumstances are at least in some way a little bit unique. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Very separate from the ability to boil it down to one number, right? Yeah. Um. And and, and that 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 kind of idea uh, is pretty pretty central to you know what we started at Pedal. Yeah. Uh, was around you know improving how underwriting works, incorporating information that ought to be incorporated, um, but isn't. Um. In in kind of how <laughs> how uh how how people get access to credit and other stuff. I mean, the, the your credit scores. Relevant for getting in departments, relevant for getting right. insurance, relevant for, and it's kind of perplexing why it matters for some of these things. Also, you know, employment screenings uh, have have that's have one of the interesting ones, yeah. Right, and and there's a rationale for why that's the case. I mean, for on the employment side, you've got the the risk of somebody in severe financial distress who's yeah. got access to, you know, let's say you're you're hiring a, a controller or something, and they they've got they've got a they've, they've got a really bad FICO to indicate financial stress. It's actually relevant, you know. The, yeah. the, you 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 want to know that because they're going to have the you know the ability to you know if if they're stressed enough, they may feel tempted to you know to dip into the till, right? Um, you know, but but the, the, your your credit score has massive consequences for all these things, but but it, but it considers really tiny, uh, a, a, you know, subset of available information. 
like um, the money available to you as an example for pedal, like the cash that is currently yeah, in your the, account and your ability to pay back. So yeah, but, but the funny thing is that the FICO and 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 you know Experian Xfax, TransUnion, all the, all this stuff, they don't consider that. It's uh, insane. Which, which is, is mind boggling. It is. Uh, and that's not to say that people, banks and lenders, uh, don't consider that information when they're underwriting. Right. Um, they, they in, in some form or fashion, you know, they, they a lot of them try to, to incorporate it, but it's... But, it, but on a human level, right? I, yeah. And, and, and they, they're, it, it's, it's imperfect. The, the, right. You know, the, the, the ability to get that information is hard. The, <clears throat> that, that's kind of the beauty of FICO is that... It's it's standardized. It's automated. The, the yeah. it, it covers a very large percentage of the population, um, and and you know if you if you go back forty years, I mean FICO really was a big innovation. Um, it, it it it's hard to see this, but it did expand access to credit. Right. Uh, because before FICO, uh, a lender couldn't really say much at all about you unless it had, had a relationship with you for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it was a it was a huge step forward in terms of like removing levels of racism removing levels yeah. of like a lot yeah. of a lot of the fucking Not gross but, but no it, it, but it i mean it, it actually it. created more right like yeah. it, in the longer term it yeah. like it, it turned into the redlining situation yeah, to some kinda, degree it kind of like, entrenched some things exactly uh, and i think that's the thing about it is like yeah if you're disconnected from that history of it mm -hmm. then you don't see any of the good that came from it right but then, but you can, you can see the good and still be upset about the things oh, that could absolutely. be better. Right. And absolutely. I think that's like our industry as a whole is like, right. there's so many things that are better than they were, but, but that doesn't mean that we should stop fucking improving them. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you keep running after it. Yeah. So t define, define cash flow underwriting for the, everybody listening. Cause I think we're kind of like talking around the periphery, yeah, but like we so, should just define the so thing. So cash flow underwriting there. is where you consider, um, either for a consumer or a business, it can be for, for anything. Um, the, you consider the, the 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 available liquid cash that somebody has and how that cash is used over time um, when making underwriting decisions. So in, in in practical terms, it means looking at the bank account or the bank accounts that somebody has and how they're using and receiving money um, and you draw conclusions about them from that that, 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 that have that impact the risk that that consumer presents. Um, and so, you know, that, that's what Prism does, what, what Pedal does. Um, and and it, it, it's important because FICO completely ignores this. Um, and, you know, we said that FICO expands access to credit, um, but incompletely. Like, it, it, there, there's, there's, there's large swaths of society that, that it provides very, very poor coverage to. And, and I, think, I think it's even more painful because... As credits become more available, it's become kind of more important in a way that the it's it's expected. It's like kind of embarrassing if you don't have access credits. It's it, it, it's it's weird. You don't feel right. Um, and so that people have a that there's a resonance to helping people figure out how to 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 jump this hurdle to get access to credit by including other information. I think that's and that's been part of the success of the the brand generally. Yeah. Uh, with Pedal and, and with Prism. Um, but but we're 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 supplementing the way that underwriting occurs um, with with this this rich and important uh, data set. Um, so you're, I mean, it's, it's pretty intuitive that, that if you think about, hey, should I lend this person money? Um, what what information do you want to know? Right? The, the, you you, it's pretty relevant. You'd like to know. Do, do, how do they handle their financial affairs? It's the first question you would think that it would be asked, yeah. right? But it's one of the last things that's encompassed in, or not even one of the last things. It's one of the 
I guess you can phrase it that way. It's one of the last things that isn't encompassed, but it's one of the last things that's taken into account. Yeah. Almost from that yeah. perspective, and, and which poorly, is very yeah, poorly, poorly like, done. You can look yeah. at bank statements, which is, you know, like it, 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 that's for really big loans, you know, for like mortgages right. and stuff. Right. You know, you'll include that for, for most most loans. It's, it's completely ignored. Yeah. Um, and, or, or you'll use a proxy like stated income, which is. Yeah. Which, which is subject to, you know, significant fraud and overstatement, understatement. Yeah. Misinterpretation. You've got cost of living differences. It just doesn't tell you what you really want to know, which is, is this person financially healthy? Um, how do they use the resources that they have? Right. Um, and that, that's, that's what cash flow underwriting gets to. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's really powerful. And it's how much of it. So I have a few things that I want to pull apart here. How much of it is retrospective and how much of especially in the early days was like forward looking because I remember signing up for pedal and being like, Oh, okay. They're going to go back like plaid link, all the things they're going to go look at, you know, what I had spent. How much of that is you developing? I mean, how much of the underwriting process is like taking that past as truth, I guess. And how much of it is like actually thinking of like prognosticating about the future. I guess that's an underwriting decision. Yeah. So I think, I think what I'd say is all underwriting is prognostication. Right. Um, you're, you're, you're trying to predict the future off certain, you know, kind of premises. From right. The past. So it's, I, I'm, it's coming across as a really dumb question, but I'm trying to like, I'm trying to pull apart the, I guess the, wh- why is it different? Right. Like is, is pedal and the kind of in the early days, FICO plus cash underwriting, like was, it was improving things a hundred X in a way that just FICO or just cash underwriting wouldn't. And I'm wondering how much of that, like, I'm not able to phrase this yeah, question let, let, correctly. Let me, let, I think I can, I can help you. The, the So, um, and it depends on the type of person you're underwriting. Mm-hmm. The, if, a, if a person comes to you and they have an extensive credit history um, and other indicia that they're going to be a good borrower, you know, you, you may not need it. Well, they're person. probably not going to pedal. Yeah, right? that, yeah. That, that, that too. Like yeah. the, the, and that, that itself, may, you may draw conclusions from the fact that they're showing up. Right. Um, like why? Yeah. Like uh, why, why are you not using, you know, the, the fanciest. Yeah. Mac or just like a Amazon prime or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's uh, whatever. But the, um, and then there, there's a person who, um, has a little bit of history, uh, with the bureau. Um, and that's, that, that's a, that's a really big population. Yeah. Um, the, for that person being able to use cash flow, um, Tells you a much more fulsome story mm-hmm. about that person, um, and you kind of draw. You ask the question about past versus future. Um, all the data comes from the past. Like you're looking back, you know, some number of months or years at, at kind of how how a person has behaved, and then you're you're making a prediction about the risk from that person. Uh, you're not trying to predict the future cash flow, which I think is maybe something. That, I think that's kind of what I was trying to ask a little bit. Yeah, right. And, yeah. And, and, and I'm almost asking like a philosophical thing, so I think you're picking up on it. Yeah, but yeah. And, 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 and that, that 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 surely can be done in some ways. The yeah. But that that's you know that the at least you know to, to date that hasn't been yeah. the main thing. The um, but you're you're trying to look at historical information and make an assessment of if I loan this person money what will happen it's kind of it's kind of it's a little bit binary there's different ways you can create models but a lot of it's binary it's like they'll pay it back or they won't pay it back um and you can create models that are that are that are kind of expected loss or expected profitability uh which is a little more nuanced 
and you, you cash flow also works for that. Um, that that gets more into the the uh, not so much cash flow underwriting, but more you know just underwriting generally. Yeah, you know, are are you trying to what are you trying to predict? Are you trying to predict how profitable somebody's going to be? Right. Are you trying to predict? Yeah, that's why it was a dumb back? question. It's like you just described underwriting, Zach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's that you were driving in the in the direction I was trying to go. Before pedal, was anyone what were you guys the like pioneers in this? Like, was that I mean, I, I know that there had been like conversations, I think, about it before, but like, yeah, it's 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 you know, I think it's it's always a little it's hard I mean, to it's hard, the first it's hard to find to do, day zero, but yes, yeah, saying you're the first person to do anything, I think right? It's usually, you know, foolish. I can't um, think of any other companies that had built to scale with a cash flow underwriting model as right. the main point of competitive advantage outside of what we were I, talking that's, about. That's correct. I mean, in the, in the, the B2B setting, um, which I'm not as familiar with, right. the, my understanding is that there were some, uh, some, 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 some kind of like, it, let's, let's but were it they doing it with ingest, technology? Ingestion of like QuickBooks data, oh, okay. things like that, which okay. you know, kind of, you know, gets, it's a version gets of to it. a similar yeah. similar place. Yeah. Um. And and and. But there's no FICOs and there's no credit well, score. There are. Which is kind of funny. The the most small business lending relies heavily on FICO scores of the 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 owner. Well, okay, but that's what I was going to say. Is like yeah. it might rely on my. So yeah. for fintech sake, as a small business, right, right, might rely on my credit score as Zach. Right. But for fintech sake, doesn't have a credit score is what I was trying to say. Or at least right now, they could, somebody could create one. I, actually, I think some people do are, businesses. This is a dumb question to create. Yes, the, the uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember which which organizations are doing this, but credit there are card. people out there trying. I mean, the same way that like Fitch and Standard and Poor's have essentially credit scores for Fortune 500 companies right. via bond ratings. Um, you can. It's it's not a stretch to try and create them. I don't know how accurate. Um, right and as accepted that's my other thing right because in in, and this is what i guess i'm kind of like circling back to is in b2b lending what you're doing is developing a picture of the business right and then as a result of cash from the the owner right exactly right 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 and you kind of have to do that cash flow underwriting work to some degree i would think because of the lack of the credit score yeah and the well the lack of the credit score outside of that individual who owns the business maybe but assuming that those are probably very different things, I would, for the most part, like there's just a gap there. So yeah. of course it would exist in B two B, but not exist. Like it's, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, it gets, it gets to the point is like, what is underwriting? Yeah, I mean, you, that's and, why I was asking the and, philosophical and this, dumb question and earlier. Something that that I, I learned kind of when it was a banker, like a lot of what a um, an investment bank or a credit fund will do is is cash flow underwriting of a right. business and. and you know, for for big loans, particularly in the B two B setting, it's something that that has existed for a very long time, as long as Excel, you know, has been around, and even really before that. But but also, and this this is the funny part, and I think it's something that we we, we thought a lot about at Pedal. Um, the you know, from from the even the consumer standpoint, it's something that's always existed as well. Right, it just hasn't been automated. Yeah, the in the way that that lending, you know, at least kind of in my cartoonish version of the past used to work is that you you had a you know in, in your 1905 you you had a, a bank that you kept your money at right um you had a banker that you had a relationship with that banker knew what was going on in your affairs in a yeah. general sense in your bank account right they could look at it and i'm sure that they did and they used that information however they calculate it with a slide rule or you know just kind of simple math or or just kind of judgment yeah they use that information to make lending decisions 
that's kind of the same thing, but it's we're now automating. Um, it, it it doesn't. I mean, you say nineteen oh five, but. <laughs> doesn't sound that different than 2005 yeah it's especially for the average community bank i mean it's a lot of like well they come in here every other tuesday and cash their check let's give them a loan well that that, that actually is that's partially why um i mean i think regulators see this too that's that's in a way that's why community banks are still exist and are successful yeah uh because they they literally have relationships with their customers yeah uh that that go beyond you know an email address and kind of an app you know, they're, they're, they're human relationships that involve shaking hands and, you know, getting to know each yeah. other, um, you know, and, and and they, you know, and you can talk to anybody who works in the community banking space. They 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 sometimes can stretch on on how they make a decision. Yeah. Um, probably in both directions. They probably, you know, if you did. It, it's, yeah. It's sometimes they say come back and you right. just like, no, regardless of the, the, <laughs> no. the cash balance. Yeah. You know, decline them. But the but also, you know, somebody who. um you know, maybe it's the, the the data may point to somebody being down on their lock or whatever, and they'll, they'll still extend a loan because they they know the person is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and but yeah, it, it's true that this still happens um, in certain settings. Um, and really, I think that there's been this continuum since the FICO became really, let's say, ascendant in the the 80s, 90s, you know, and so on, where more and more of the U.S. Had, you know, consumer credit underwriting has become determined by FICO. Um, and I think Prism is kind of now, you know, it's, it's rebalancing some of that. And so it's, 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 it's bringing in data that ought to be considered um, and, 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 you know, bringing it into the, the decision-making process yeah. because just relying on the bureau data is not, not really the right way to do it because you're, 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 it's narrow. Yeah. So I was thinking about, I was thinking about technologies. I mean, it's, it's such an interesting thing where it's like this, to me, like at least like a 10x improvement in business model, right? right? Like this idea of like FICO score is an incomplete thing. Let's bring in the cash flow underwriting. But you really, to your point about the automation, I would imagine there's a couple, at least one piece of technology I can think about that without that, you wouldn't have been able to do this. I'm guessing there's multiple. One, I think of like aggregators, Plaid. Yeah. That, the, it, without that, that's them. That's the main one, yeah. That, okay, so are there yeah. are there more outside of that? That's the only one I can think of that's like, I mean, I mean it truly could not have happened without them. Yeah, like any business, there's a lot of supporting characters. Yeah. Um, the supporting cast of technologies, platforms, et cetera. Yeah. But, um, and, and I think fraud's probably a place where you have some significant number because, you know, if you if, if under, underwriting depends on bank accounts, well, people can just create bank, fake bank accounts right. and, and, you know, like fraudulent ones and make it look like. So you've, you've, you've always got the fraud feedback loop for anything in yeah. tech. Um, but the, the aggregation technology really is the key. Um, and, and I first saw that when I was, when I was a lawyer, I actually, I worked on the Yodley IPO. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was like, a, I think it was a Warburg Pincus company at yeah. the time and, and, uh, we got pulled in to, to work on it, um, in some respect. And I, I had, I think I had no idea what they did at that point, but, but you were trailblazing company. Yeah. Like the, I, th- I think, I think actually Yodley doesn't get enough credit. I think they don't. Um, yeah. And and Platt is to you know is kind of stolen some of the show. Well, it's um, like it's kind of like the Addy and Stripe thing a little bit of like absolutely uh, yeah. You know? Like give it another five ten years and you, you, it could change. It could or, change. Or like Microsoft Google feels like a little bit of you know who's who's the cool guy now. Yeah, I mean thing. it's like the that ebb and flow like 
consistently ebbs and flows. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you don't kind of don't know where it's going to yeah. end up, but you can talk shit at every year. There's a moment you can talk shit on one or the other. Right. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, but Plaid, I mean, Plaid's just done a better job of branding, and that's yeah, the thing. And also, Zach's just more I, approachable. Like, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, better hair. The, yeah, uh, I mean, the, Zach's <laughs> hair. Like, and, and the, coming from where they come from, I mean, they just like. I also think that they've done a better job of giving back to the ecosystem and giving back to the community. Yeah, I think that's know? right. I think I think uh, Yodley's a little corporate. Yeah. Um, well, which makes sense when they yeah, got acquired yeah, and like they've yeah. been through multiple yada yada yada. Yeah, like, I'm still of the like you couldn't roll that out at Investnet and it would be kind of interesting. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I think that the plaid something they did that was important. They they focus they, they really focused on fintech. I think yeah. the they they like you said they they focus on the community. Yeah. Uh, they made things very developer friendly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, almost like a strategy. A little bit feels like like kind of like a Slack did where they yeah. little bottoms up yeah. um, type type approach. Yeah. Uh, they won the the hearts and minds of of kind of the you know not just the the maybe the the founders of companies but also everybody else. Where um, I remember when we were, you know, at Pedal, when we were, we were kind of early days trying to figure out how we're going to do all this stuff. That yeah. we, by that point, Plaid was, you know, I don't think it was necessarily clear that it was, you know, like going to be the winner. Um, there were other options, but engineers would 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 demand to work with Plaid, right? Um, and and you know, that's something that the founders and entrepreneurs listen to. Um, you know, there's a there's probably some signal in that. You know, the, more the, than there's a, little. a reason why yeah. somebody somebody cares about it that much. And B, it just you know, when you can make people happy for cost in costless ways and like making decisions, giving autonomy and yeah. and kind of ownership of things, do it. Yeah. Uh, particularly when it comes to like choosing your vendors, um, something as as simple as that. Um, yeah, and I and I think that that really helped them win, and, and that came down to their product design. Also, I think the they designed the product. Um, in a way that that people could use it easily, um, they had spin up easily. I mean, yeah. it was just quick. quick I, I, and I was easy able and to robust. You know, not, not that I I can code really at all, but I I I, I remember tinkering myself um, with like a little bit of Python. Yeah, in a, in a free account, um, you could you could do a lot of things with Plaid uh, that I don't think you could do that with other things. And you know, I think that's something that in fintech, I think it's nice. A lot of companies have really learned um, that that. You know, you should be pretty democratic and like giving people access, sandbox, you know, kind of engineer friendly design. You know, well, yeah. And I mean, you just there's as soon as you are considered, I mean, there's like ups and downsides to this. Right. But as soon as you are considered a utility yeah. for the industry like that, you're going to you're going to be in a good spot. Yeah. Right. But also yeah, like your pricing like, power. Most, like <laughs> yeah, Most utilities are kind of monopolies. Right? Yeah, they, exactly. They, when you think of like your electric company, it's a monopoly. Yeah. The, you know. Yeah. And there's enough competition in this market that that's not what we're hinting at. But Yeah, 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 correct. But there is something where the accrual of that value up to a plat is a lot different. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and yeah, ways that you can avoid competition is powerful. Yeah, uh, and I mean it's like I remember when I I mean how you and I met running Fountain City FinTech like the you know, it was like, okay. What, what, why is it why is it Fountain City? What what is the Oh, uh, because Kansas City has the most fountains of uh, like second most fountains in the world in a city wow. outside of like I wanna Paris. I think it's Seville. Seville, Seville. Spain, I wanna say. Paris Paris is most people's first assumption. Okay. I'm pretty sure like a year ago that's what I thought. Yeah. And then I looked it up and I think it's Seville. Interesting. We'll we'll double check that for the show notes, but okay. pretty sure. <laughs> um and it's you know, fountain fintech. I love alliteration. I interrupt this deeply informative conversation 
For a word from our friends and this season's sponsor, NeuroID, or a word from me on their behalf. So what is NeuroID? Think about NeuroID basically as bringing body language into the digital world. Someone fidgeting in their chair is like someone taking too long to fill out their social security number, or maybe they're switching tabs like crazy. The digital world has tells the same way the real world does, and NeuroID is that person at the casino watching the monitors, making sure no nefarious business is going down. Blocking bad actors, fraud rings, and fighting financial crime is only one side of this double-sided coin. Clearly, it's fiat. <laughs> Bitcoin doesn't have two sides. See what I did there? All right, we're bringing some levity, folks. Folks, I can't talk, but the levity's there. The other side of the coin is decreasing false flags and increasing pull-through in general. If you can dodge a wrench, then you can dodge a ball. If you can fight fraud, then you can increase pull-through during the IDV process. That's what I've always said. Learn more at neuroid.com. But yeah, so when I when I was starting it, I mean, it was like, what are the, you know, what are the utilities? What are the things that I know pretty much everybody in this in right. this cohort is going to need, right? right? So you go out, you get AWS credits. Yep. And you get Plaid credits. Yep. Right? Those are the two things that for the most part you start with because we were also inside of a bank already. And like the other thing you need is a bank partner, right? Yep. Especially when we were talking right. like consumer oriented right, and right. the world has changed a lot since then. Um but yeah, that was just like the, I wasn't calling Yodley to get Yodley credits right. to start. You know, it's just like, yeah. I, I don't know if they had them either, but it's yeah. like very basic shit like that where, yeah, it's give a little bit away to benefit the ecosystem and the right. world comes back to you. Yeah. I think, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Customer acquisition cost is expensive enough. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. So let's jump into, um, now that we like painted this picture. Right. Gilgamesh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, my day to day. Today, I, I I focus on investing in fintech companies, um, and I think a lot of this is kind of an extension of my personality. Um, for for years, or really going back, I think my entire career, even as a lawyer, I, I love I love helping people uh, do stuff. And you've always been a connector. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and you know when I when I I remember early, I'd, I'd periodically help people do you know like legal stuff. Uh, there, there's some funny stories that probably involve you know like you know. Small scale legal malpractice. The but <laughs> but when I didn't know what I was doing, but I was trying to help people. But the the um, it's something I've always done. I've always cared about it. I don't know where, why, but um, oh, you're I, from I, Arkansas. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, the, the, the community oriented. No, no shade, New York. We're just <laughs> Midwestern. We can't help yeah. it. Yeah, and so the the um, you know, early on, you know, at, at Pedal, um, it's something I I dedicated time to. I I, I like to spend time with people that were building things um, in, in areas where I knew something and I could contribute. Yeah. Um, and that's something I just naturally did. I naturally invested time there. Um, and I think if you spend enough time with entrepreneurs, you know, you, you opportunities to do things together, present themselves. Yeah. Um, because it, you know, it's, they're mutually beneficial. It's a slippery um, slope. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, starting pretty early, I, 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 I had some, some opportunities to, to invest in, you know, people that I'd gotten to know and, and, you know, starting from a very early date, um, you know, I, Miguel, Miguel Armaza, my, my partner, um, with Gilgamesh, we've, we've known each other close to 15 years and, and, um, you know, he, he obviously is interested in fintech as well. And we have different, different, <laughs> small di amount. Yeah. Just a tiny bit. Yeah. Um, we have different networks and, you know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of symbiosis with it, but we, we, we started doing this together. We, we would, uh, use our, our, uh, our modest, personal balance sheets uh to to you know to kind of toss 
toss a little cash into some of these companies that we yeah. we liked and and uh, we're building relationships with. And you know, over time, that that started to to get a little bigger. Um, and and um, had the opportunity to continue doing it. Got to got known, became known a little bit more as doing that, you know, which I think is kind of the the story of every angel investor. Yeah, uh, that that it it, it is it, it does kind of compound over time. Particularly if you if you do well, um, yes. so yeah, <laughs> so on the budding, yeah, and, and so went down that road and, and started you know over time raising some external capital for individual deals. Um, oh, that so it was for individual deals is how it started. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I think if you talk to most VC, or not not most, but like some some VCs, that this is how it happens. You 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 have the opportunities, you have the deal flow. Um, and you raise capital initially just because you see an amazing opportunity where you don't have a fund, but you don't you you either don't have enough money yourself yeah. or you want to share that opportunity with others. Um, is that still happening? Like in the age of angel list, is that still happening today, or are people just like? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think like we 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 I, I've I've used angel list very little. Um, okay. As as an investor or anything. Um, and I don't, I, I don't really know if it predated AngelList. Oh, I'm, it, I'm sure people were doing this pre-AngelList. Yeah. I'm just wondering if AngelList has been a replacement I, for I it. Think it's, I, I don't think it's replaced it. Okay. I, I really don't. I think, I think that, that um, you know, there's still organic communities of people that... Spinning up around a single deal kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess I think, now that you say it, I have actually... Okay. Yeah. Now that you say it, there's actually multiple fundraisers I've almost invested in that have been kind of like this individual right. individuals trying to put together a little bit extra to meet that minimum check. Yeah. It's it's harder and it's yeah. higher friction than AngelList. A lot. Um. Yeah. But th- there's some advantages to it. You know, yeah. like you may not want to tell the world about something. Um. And I honestly, yeah. I, I don't even know legally how AngelList does. There's a multitude of different ways that yeah. it works. I mean, it's to say, is it on like just describing AngelList as AngelList is an oversimplification. Right. right. You right. know. Yeah. Yeah, but but um, you know, so we we started doing this, and, and it became very clear that there was there was something significant um, here, and and we we're, we're, the way we were investing, we were investing in early stage fintech companies, but just naturally, uh, Miguel and I have always had a pretty global global view. Yeah, this um, was going to be my next question. Right, is how the ge- geographic focus kind of got developed. Yeah, and and starting early in this kind of talking about investing in things, um, you know, a good chunk of it is outside the U.S. The um, you know, we 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 invested in in um in 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 Mexico a few times. We invested outside of that. Um, also, just developed a lot of relationships looking at things. Which yeah. th- those relationships, you know, they, a lot of this snowballs over time. But they they you know some of those are now our LPs yeah. and and so on. And 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 that that was something where Miguel and I just we gravitated to. And Miguel Miguel's from from some from South America, and I've always had a a, a deep interest in 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 the region. Um and 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 have been there a lot. Um, yeah. And so we 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 started that pretty early. That, that's been something we we've organically done probably before we had a thesis. Um, it I just, was is like, did it feel like a opportunity you were running towards, or did you get pulled it, into it? Pulled. it? There, it there, there was pull, which I, I think the, that's unique. In in the but also I think in the the entrepreneurial experience, I think I I I believe when done correctly, good ideas have pull. They, yeah. they, they, you, sh- it's, it almost feels a little bit like product market fit it's kind of idea, idea value. You just don't it. hear that that often about VC firms. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know? I, yeah. And, and, I don't but, disagree. The best, I think the best VC firms, that's true, but you just don't hear it very well, often. Well, I just remember the, the early on, 
we this is before we had a fund um you know we would just we would talk to people um you know it, companies and you know they they're 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 looking for you know for capital and you know at the seed stage or whatever and you'd ask a couple questions and it was just mind boggling the, the, the level, the numbers, the, the growth. Numbers, yeah. yeah. It, it's just, it, it was ridiculous. The, yeah. the, the level of growth, the number of customers, the revenue, the, all these things, you know, throw, who, who cares about multiples, that, that kind of stuff. Right. Just, uh, just comparing that to what you see in the United States. Yeah. The level of progress. Facebook um, level growth numbers, yeah. but on a financial product. Yeah. And, yeah. And that, 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 honestly, it gets a lot to, you know, what our actual thesis is, uh, which, uh, and, and, and to be fair, we, 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 we view fintech globally. It's a global phenomenon. Um, you know, it impacts the United States, impacts Canada, Latin America, Africa, Asia, everywhere. Um, but the, and we invest, you know, throughout the Americas and the U.S. is a big part of that. Canada's part of it. Um, but but in, in Latin America, and I think this is true of a lot of developing regions, um, your problems are just bigger. The, yeah. you, you have the problem set that one can address is, yeah. is more numerous. Yeah. yeah and problems you know, beget solutions and th- these are big problems. That means you end up having big solutions, which can create big companies. Right. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, a great example, that's Nubank, right? Like yep. the, the, and you know, the, there's, there's many others, but that's probably the most commonly known. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, you know, that the company was started not terribly long ago and is, you know, in some ways comparable to capital one now, um, which has been around a lot longer. Um, and it's because the, you know, the financial system in that instance in Brazil um, simply serves people in a less effective way. Yeah. Um, and you you have huge swaths of society um, that, 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 are, that are deeply underserved. Um, you know, kind of like what I was talking about, like you got the credit scoring system is really important. It leaves out big, big groups. The, the, there's a lot of those problems in, in, in Latin America, but big populations and they you know brazil and mexico individually are, are really big countries um huge there's some of the some of the larger economies globally yeah. um yeah and and um just the the kind of the, the the white space the the ability to build something that's going to matter um in a way that you're not going to have a lot of competition um is significant and also one of the other things the you know this, this is true of mexico it's true of brazil i think it's true of a lot of latin america um i think it might be true of canada as well is you you have very uncompetitive, non-competitive uh, banking sectors. Oh yeah, um, I mean that's what the definition of why New Bank worked, right? Yeah, exactly. You, if you look at the, the return on equity, and I, I'm not coming up with this. This is something that's that's known, but but it's a significant fact. Yeah, probably also true of insurance. I would imagine. Um, I don't know, but it would make sense. Yeah, the, the you, if you look at return on equity in in those economies, they're they're globally astronomical. The the you know, the, the, the the top of the the heap of, of economies the and that that means that you know the 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 group of competitors you know are able to price in a way that that and to to, to serve their customer in a way where they they're enormously profitable um and you know i, I think as as jeff bezos says you know your, your margin is my opportunity yeah um areas where there's tremendous profitability not always but often is a good place to look uh to, to build a fantastic business um, won't always work, but the, 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 that, that's, it's a good indication, uh, that, that there's opportunity. So that, that's, that's, you know, that, that's part of our thesis today, yeah. um, is that, 
And, you know, I think Miguel and I have, you know, kind of a founder market fit for the, the, oh, big the, time. the area yeah. of fintech that we're serving. And I, I've been, you know, an entrepreneur and, and Miguel, um, you know, with, with the things he does, you know, in, in, in media and, and just, you know, knowledge of, of this world and relationships he's got among, among fintech entrepreneurs and executives, um, yeah. and, you know, listen to his podcast and pick up yeah. that stuff. Go check great. out fintech business leaders. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. I got you, Miguel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one question that I always, that I, I kind of have, and I always wonder if it's, uh, an over, oversimplification, I guess, of the thought process around Latin America. Latin America overarchingly is an emerging market, right? Would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, I think, I think, I think, at least at a high level, the, like m- most of the economies, for the most part, most of the countries in Latin America are emerging right. markets. I, I think I'm, I'm not, it probably depends on how you define it, but I'm sure. not sure. That, I don't know if Chile yeah, would yeah, be described yeah. in that a couple, way. Sure, a Uruguay couple of them may, yeah, yeah. may not be yeah. technically a But the, the ones with, I would say, like the larger TAM yes. are especially Brazil like, Mexico. right, exactly. So I find it really interesting, like, are there more nuances there outside of what you're talking about in terms of like incumbents got greedy, right? Emerging markets, like there are more people making more money and you know, like the economy is developing a middle right. class. Like, are there more nuances to it than that? Or is it really just like, Hey, there's an emerging market happening here and financial services and technology obviously should serve them as they, as it emerges. Yeah. Cause I feel like we try and make this like, you wouldn't believe all these nuances that are happening in Latin right. America that are leading to this boom. And I'm like, right. I mean, I agree that there's a boom, but is it that convoluted of a boom yeah, or is it just like everybody's going up into the right? It's a really good question. I mean, like the, the, I think there's, there's, um, I think there's some general forces at work. Um, it feels that way. I mean, I think there is nuance to it, but it feels like there are yeah, general I, high level forces yeah. moving the geography, not just the FinTech piece of the geography. Yeah. And, and I think the, and specifically around like why why are businesses and consumers underserved? Yeah, I think the the that that's an important question. Uh, part part of it is historical, um, where you've you've had and this goes back to like the banking sector, um, where you know developing economies have sometimes you know greater instability, which over time creates banking crises that has led to consolidation. Yeah, and that consolidation almost by definition, creates a lack of competition. Right. Um, and so, and uncompetitive markets, just, this is just what happens. Yeah. They, they just don't care as much. You don't have as much innovation. You don't have as much kind of fighting for that last yard, um, that last yeah. consumer. And Brazil didn't have, uh, to your to your point, didn't have 5,000 community banks or, you know, didn't, no. have, didn't have 10 big banks and yeah. then... 500 regionals and exactly. then a thousand sub regionals and then this many, you they, know, they've, they've, a, got, they've got several banks and they're all very big. Right. Um, and that's, and I would imagine monolithic well. in terms of the way they look, right? Yes. Like they're yeah. the product set, all exactly. of that in terms of credit box, all of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that also begets a, a degree of regulatory capture. Sure. Um, sure, sure, where, sure. And so like the, the, that's kind of the economic forces. I think that creates um, kind of a political context in which 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 then further reduces competition yeah i think but then when that pendulum swings back the other way right like when the well i don't know if you want to call it populism but when eventually that pendulum has to swing I yeah would think. It, 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 well and, and i think this is really important the 
I think in the United States, I think fintech is a little more, um, let, let's say, kind of just politically ambiguous. Where hmm, yeah. I, th- I think the some people like it, some regulators like it, some regulators don't like it. Yeah. Um, in our experience, and this is not completely true, but in in Latin America, the 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 regulatory treatment of of fintech is much more positive uh, hmm. because it's seen as a political winner. Uh, because you know. These are democracies, and the the and so you know the 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 idea of expanding access to credit, expanding access to banking, expanding access to insurance these, these really important things. Yeah. Um. The, people want it. Yeah, you're improving and, people's lives. Exactly. And they're yeah. going to go vote as a result. Exactly. Yeah. And and the and for whatever reason the banking system is not you know either doesn't want to or is not strong enough or see some reason not to block it. Yeah. Um. And so you you have you have uh you have, you have regulatory support. And so I think in, you know, the, the, the most, most kind of powerful example of this is in Brazil, uh, with the Brazilian Central Bank, um, which in my opinion is the most innovative uh, regulatory body in, in, on, on earth. Now, I don't know all the regulatory bodies, so I, I can't, you know, I can't, it's probably not that informed, but, but um, you know. That, it's still a cool sentence, though. It, yeah. It, it, but <laughs> if you think about it, it's an institution that, that basically invented PICS, yeah. which is the most successful you know, kind of instant payments network globally. Yeah. Uh, it's completely blown out of the water. Every other, yeah. you know, you know, kind of attempt in, you know, across the globe. And in the U S we our our attempts to, to create instant payments have been almost laughable. Well, fed um, fed now started, uh, five picks ago. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the adoption's awful. And, and, yeah. and that's not to say the fed, our feds not, not doing a good job. I think we, we our Fed plays global macroeconomic significance that I think that, that's the thing is we expect too much of them. Yeah. You know, this idea that they're going to have the macroeconomic significance and carry the weight that they do and then also have the ability to innovate. Yeah, yeah, innovate anything in yeah. a way that's helpful. Because like I through a really random series of events, um, know a person that was in a room that around some of the Fed stuff and I can't say much more than that. But the stories that I heard about those rooms and about that room, like there's just no way that any good technology is coming out of yeah. a situation or organization. Yeah. Nor, nor like should we that. expect it to. Exactly. Be, That's be, my thing is like, yeah. and I will talk shit and like, I make fun of fed now because it's hilarious to me that it's like, that we thought that was going to work. Right. You know, it's right. just like, what are fucking, that's hilarious. Right. Um, but, that shouldn't be our expectation of right. the federal fucking reserve. Yeah. Like that's insane. And, and I think, I think there, you know, I, I hope that there's kind of a coming realization that, that, you know, that, that at some point, like old, the older institutions are not great at doing new things. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Right. You have to have new organizations do things. Um, you know, and, and that's for me, you know, as you know, and we, we you know, a very large chunk of our investing is in the U S you know, I, I, I look forward, you know, over the next, decade that that i hope that that the you know the regulatory climate for fintech continues to to be positive and, and good uh and i think it is there, there's there's you know things are things are mostly in that direction now but that back to cash yeah. flow underwriting you, you've got some of that the yeah. where regulators see the potential for new things um to maybe be a political winner yeah the you know that with the the 1033 and the dodd frank stuff the yep. the um you know, I, I think that that um, you know, that there's there's some there's some adoption of the idea that that we we need you know kind of fresh institutions and fresh ideas to fix things, um, because I believe that that fintech actually does produce real world positive benefits. You know, the the 
you know, and and I think the the banking sector is important. You know, insurance sectors are important. The you know, and, and the these older institutions are 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 are, are you know they're going to continue to be there, but they're going to be supplemented by new companies, you know, in fintech that are doing things that they can't do well. Yeah, I mean, it's the the pushing of like one, yes, the supplementation, but also just like the, I think pedal is an interesting example for this because, you know, pedals still as far as I can tell, at least from my vantage point, like doing well, like things are going, you know, the yeah. right direction, like everything is going well there. And, but, but let's say pedal dies tomorrow, the impact of cash flow underwriting haven't gotten out into the world in a scale. It's a big deal. It's a big fucking it's a really deal. deal. It's a really, like if that is yeah. the biggest impact of that, yeah. like, I mean, I wouldn't call it a win because I would prefer that Jason and you and everybody else associated <laughs> with it, yeah. but you know, make some money on the thing that yeah. you did good for the world. And also I think that like it, but it, consumer a, lending so hard that I hope you guys win, but like that shit's important. It's, it, right? it's a secular shift. Right. I, I exactly. The, exactly. It, it is a, a, a critical disruption of how yeah. things are done. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the that wasn't all that well, like it was welcomed by those that I think were paying attention in a nuanced fashion. Right. But I, it seemed like there was not, there was pushback. I mean, there was like, it was, or not even push, but there were, there were definitely second guessers. Well, the, the most common thing is that people say that, that, that people have been using cash flow to underwrite for a long time. And like, oh, we do that. Right. I think Jamie Dimon said, yeah, we, we, we cash flow underwrite. Do you, Jamie? It, 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 I don't think he does. And the, the, uh, that, that, that off, to me, that was kind of the, the, the main pushback. Yeah. Like, this is already, the way it's happening You're like no it's not yeah <laughs> it's, it's not not being done but no I, I think it's an important secular shift and i think we're going to continue to see important secular shifts in how things are done yeah. um in you know in, in a variety of ways you know this instant payments thing yeah you know which i think is still not resolved how it's going to play out um there's there's a lot of cool companies in the united states trying to to to, to make payments better yeah because our payment system is not real good we, we're using we're still using checks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to, I, I wrote a check a couple days ago and it's kind of laughing. It is mind blowing, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, the fact that we still, I mean, yeah. Remote deposit capture is still yeah. like a, a thing that we need and yeah. everything else. Although I will say that I, I've had interesting life moments writing checks. The, I lived in a, in a, in a, a very kind of dingy apartment in, in the, the North end when I was in law school where I had to, to pay my landlord by hand every, every, uh, Every month, and he, he was he was a Italian guy. Looked like he might be in the mob. It was kind of <laughs> just potentially yeah, based on that yeah, area. I, yeah. I, I paid on time. Yeah, the, I think I think the had it not been by check by hand, I probably would have paid late a few times. Yeah. So, so uh, it's you know maybe there's some benefits. Changes that dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, and I mean I, we're kind of running up on time, so it'll probably be one of the last ones. But I'm curious, especially with the like the amount of time that you spend in Latin America, right? Are there any like kind of overarching misconceptions or things that you spend like time educating Americans on or like the average fintech person on about that market? Like what does the world think that isn't true or what should I know about LATAM that maybe I don't know? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, in a minute so much that the, that I, I'm trying to pick the, the best example. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a multitude. Yeah, I, I think that, that um, the most interesting thing that I find um, about investing in Latin America and also investing in the U.S. at the same time 
it's just the 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 differences in kind of the 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 the, the orientation of founders. Um, the mm-hmm. I think the the um, kind of the 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 level of of kind of adversity um, operating economically in Latin America generally, uh, where things every country's different. It's hard to to generalize about anything, but it, it's a little harder. You you, you have yeah. institutions that are a little often less effective. Not, well, not always, yeah. but generally... Like, it's like know, a train system that doesn't quite get you yeah. all the way to work. We, we get frustrated with the U.S., <laughs> but the U.S. still operates quite effectively. Yeah. Um, our institutions are, are effective. They're, 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 well, we get frustrated because we're so fucking spoiled. Yeah. 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 But but in reality, we're kind of just... The, the only place is better is like Canada. Right. You know, yeah. the, the, or yeah. maybe New Zealand or Australia. Yeah, but we've just been taught to complain. Yes. Yes, yeah. yeah, the human condition. Yes, exactly. Especially the American condition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think the, the, there, there's a lot, let's just say a lot more challenges. Yeah. Um, and the, that carries over into the, 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 I think the, the personalities of the founders and the cultures of the companies. Um, and so what I find is that, um, at least in FinTech, which is where I spend all my time, FinTech founders in Latin America are a little more resilient. They... They have a tendency to turn on a dime. You know, conditions change. In a good way. They immediately change. Yeah. There's no, I, I think in the U.S., you know, when when there's something big that happens, you have this this kind of acceptance period. Yeah, it's like a digestion period. You yeah. got to work through the stages of grief. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. It's like denial. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, Get anger. to acceptance and you should have raised the round two levels of grief ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and or so, pivoted or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah. in Latin America, I think I think the people just go through that way faster. Right. And and um in that respect, I think they're they're more effective. Yeah. The particularly for a startup. Right. You know, the, the especially that seed stage early stage. You, yeah. You've got to move really fast and you've got to, you know, you're you're kind of as they say, default dead. Right. Um I said that around a banker the other day and they got so fucking scared. Don't I was like, that sorry, that's, that's like a, sorry, that's, that's a startup term. Sorry. Yeah. And they were like, what do you mean default dead? And I was like, that, sorry, that's just how I live my life. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I, I think that's the thing that I find. It's honestly really inspiring when you, when you, when you're around it, you know, when, when you're an investor, you, you have the, the, you have the, the good fortune to kind of feel part of all these really good things yeah. happening at the same time. Uh, and it kind of gives you this feeling of you know fulfillment and happiness. Being, yeah. But I, I I find that really really impressive. Um. And and, and uh, I think the other thing that I would mention about kind of things that are surprising the places where we educate people. Um. You know I think the, the I think this is true of operating internationally anywhere. Yeah. Um. And it's also true like if, if you live in New York, you have one experience, and then you get on Twitter and you read about New York. It's going to be very different. Yeah. Um. You know it's. That make it seem like you know it's like we're in zombie land sometimes. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that shit confuses the <laughs> hell out of me. I'm like, oh, I just walked to work at midnight. And yeah, okay, it's fine. sure. It's yeah, fine. like I was good. I yeah. mean, granted, I'm you know, it's not, cold. I'm it's not cold. the smallest individual on the street, but yeah, I think if I was a foot or two shorter, I'd still feel comfortable. Right. You know. Yeah, and so I think that there's a similar effect. Yeah. Um, that that um you know you you'll, you'll you'll hear things you know around like politics in particular. Um, about Latin America, and they, they often involve elections or things like that, and it kind of it'll. Is it will, just like, oh, if if this election happens this direction, then yeah, your business is fucked. Yeah, fucked. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And like that, that's and nothing's as bad as yeah, it's painted. Like, big big political changes have ramifications sometimes. Yes, um, we I think we grapple with that in the United States. 
Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, but but th- th- that's that's a place where we we spend some time educating people. You know, back to my point about you know the I think regulatory climate. You know, I made the statement that the the, the regulatory climate for fintech in Brazil is extraordinarily good. You know, and you have this this extraordinarily competent and effective regulator via the central bank. Um, that that's something that's very surprising to people and and not expected. I think the the we kind of but the, and I think this is this is unfortunate. But I think people see things sometimes in a negative way. But hey, I mean that that creates opportunity because the you know for us as investors because we're, we're you know we're 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 not in this packed crowd trying yeah. to find their good, misconception good is your opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the the you know everybody else sees problems, we see opportunity. So I'm curious about the opportunity thing, and this is the final question, and then I'll let you go. Since, and this is kind of a sad one, actually. It's not a sad one. Anyway, um, since things have taken a little bit of a a pivot uh, yeah. economically, yeah, I'm curious, like, how lonely you guys feel down there, or if you do feel lonely, because it seems it seems like there was a very like, it seemed like the cool thing to say was that I'm headed south. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like I'm headed south of the border. I'm going to yeah. go spend some time in CDMX, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are still doing that. I, I feel like I've, I know more people. They are in, in Mexico City than previously. OK. But. So, I mean, and that's what I'm wondering is like, I feel like that maybe it's just because the headlines have gotten taken over by some macroeconomic stuff right. or whatnot. But it does kind of feel to me a little bit like only the ones with the true with a true Latin American thesis or left, yeah. like yeah. the, the kind of the fly by night, yeah. uh, you know, half thought through theses are gone yeah. sort of thing. I'm right. curious if, if that's true. Yeah. And, and the, the, the word we've, with the way we've said this is kind of a lot of the tourists went home. Yeah. There you go. That's what I was kind of trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. So and the, so you do feel that. So the, it's a couple different things. So the, there, there, there it is the case that, you know, a lot of, Candidly, just a lot of funds that, that raised too much money and didn't really know what, what to do with it, um, which happened over the last several years. Yeah. Um, yeah. They kind of, you know, I think they, they, were, they were trying to figure out something to do. Right. Well, the 2019, uh, like 2020 vintages, I guess, would kind of be those. And then yeah. they were just like, where do we put this now? Yeah. What, what do we what do we do with all this cash? Right. Um, so that 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 has that has kind of reversed. But th- th- this is the, the major point um, is that 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 kind of that that availability of capital um that we had over the last several years was important because funds that that are permanent in Latin America and again we we invest in the US as well yeah. but the in but this is important for us as well the funds that are permanent in in Latin America or funds that have really made a dedicated strategy towards investing in Latin America clock tower is a good example yep. of this um they have raised a lot of money to continue focusing on Latin America, um, and this is a differentiator between now and you know, let's say the dot com crisis. Mm-hmm. You had some capital inflow to Latin America then, or maybe the financial crisis as well. Um, you had that, that capital flow in during good times, and then the tide went out, and there wasn't anything there. In in 2020, 2021, 2019, whatever, wherever you draw the line, you you had a little bit of venture capital infrastructure yeah built. the native capital exactly. infrastructure yeah and, and you've 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 had you have investors that are there and are going to continue being there indefinitely um you know in monashi's and kazakh and 
and Valor in in Brazil. Um, and a number I mean, of you make the Capital One reference about Nubank. Like, I feel like a big reason the you know QED being that exactly. investor there has a lot to do with yeah. how that happens. Yeah, right? and QED is one of these firms as well. They, yeah. they've dedicated Latin America focus. Yeah, you know, with with and with, have with, before it was sexy. I think. Yeah, I think the, the and, and we 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 really like working with them. The but the, so the the, the there, there's permanent capital there. Yeah, and I think it's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, and, and there's been enough kind of just education of the the lp class that that's part of that as well but i think another thing and th- this is it's a little bit related but it's different um and we mentioned new bank but also d local yeah uh, mercado libre yep. and, and a number of others um xp um you've had companies have made it to the finish line right and 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 then it just, you know it just showers benefits back to everyone involved yeah. To the, the the level of talent developed, the future entrepreneurs trained, um, the returns to the funds. Yeah, you know you have got now you can point to hey this this strategy works. Right, you can make a lot of money investing in in fintech or other other categories of early stage uh, capital in in Latin America. That that success has happened, and you know that's what we're seeing today. Um, is that you have a an entire generation of people that that have learned from the best. They know what good looks like. They they've worked at New Bank. They've worked at these other places. They're starting companies. They know what they're doing. They now they also have the capital that's not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. Um. And 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 I think it's it's an amazing time to be investing in 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 Latin America because you know the the that the tourist capital left. Yeah. Valuations are are down some. Um. You know, it's the, the math on on a great investment is just easier to pencil, right? And and um, but great companies are are definitely getting funded, yeah. And and um, you know, that's the that's that's what's exciting, and you know, we're 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 you know, we're seeing some some awesome opportunities to, to that's cool to do big things. So it sounds like it sounds like I mean a lot a lot of kind of what we were talking about the 2019, 2020 vintage is like I think the the macroeconomic situation that we have now is going to incentivize those funds slow playing and yeah you know a, a very a, a decreased uh speed with which those checks are getting written yeah um and it sounds like from what you're saying the how true that is going to be less so about those specific vintages of funds but just the deployment of capital slowing down in latin america doesn't seem that likely or doesn't seem i mean i think globally you know kind over of, the number yeah. of deals that are happening yeah. slowed down but but um, it's I think it's at a very healthy pace. In, in the in you can see this on charts. I mean I think you know the, the 2022 or Q1 2023. I don't, I don't really know which number, but there's like oh it came down a lot. Well it's it's ahead of where it was in 20, right. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. Look year over year, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and, more than one year back. Yeah, yeah. And, and one other thing that I think is important to mention in this this context of macroeconomics, um, the I first of all I don't think things got. That 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 crazy also in Latin America. Uh, they didn't get that far out over the skis. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, there, there was some value. Sure, 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 sure. But but the the other thing I would say is that that I think the um, COVID was hard on on Latin America generally. Yeah. You, I think that you had you know kind of tougher macroeconomics to recover from. Yeah. That we had in the U.S. Um, and also the the the, the economies now are doing pretty well. I think um, you know both Mexico and Brazil, which are the, the biggest markets, um, 
pretty significant natural resource, um, you know, kind of component to their economies. Their currencies have been pretty stable. They're, they, they just, uh, Brazil in particular, just completely scored a A plus 100 on dealing with inflation um, that, that should be studied. Uh, the, the, again, the central bank the, being the best central bankers in the world, but yeah. the, the um, they 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 have positive real interest rates, you know, which is like no, nowhere. Yeah, I, mean, I don't even know what that. I don't know what that means. Yeah, even. It's, it's becoming not. I mean, I feel like it's <laughs> we're we're getting the world economy is getting closer to it, but they yeah. they avoided a lot of the issues that I think the the global economies had. Um, not entirely. There's exceptions. It's like the the I think there the, it's not completely a good story, but the the um the, there's it's different. It's you a know, better story than they're, a lot. They're, yeah, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're not on the same timeline. You know, they're not on the same path as we are. Um, their 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 twenty twenty one was not quite as awesome as in the U.S. I mean, right. it, it's it's kind of mind boggling, kind of what happened to the stock market and things in general here. And yeah. you didn't have the same. You know, not it wasn't the exact same dynamics um, throughout throughout lifetime. So that that's yeah. an impact too. Yeah. Well, what goes up anyway. Yeah, it sometimes does something else. Sometimes does something else. Yeah, we won't. We'll just leave it at that. Um, All right, man. So we'll call it there. Um, I will link to like you, Gilgamesh, all of that in the show notes. Thank you. Um, But maybe like a quick version of just like kind of kinds of companies you're thinking about if founders want to get involved. Like you know, kind of at what stage? Yada yada. We we invest in early stage fintech. Primarily seed rounds, but say seed adjacent, pre-seed, um, and, and post-seed as well. Um, you know, throughout the Americas, so you know, Canada, Argentina, um, you know, the whole thing, kind of the, the the time zones from Alaska to Bermuda, um, as we say sometimes. Um, and we invest across all verticals within fintech, and and there's there's nothing within that that we're not going to really be interested in. Um, you know, we 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 have capabilities throughout that and we're looking for for um you know founders that that are that are trying to do something pretty ambitious um yet you know we're interested in building a real business uh and using that middle ground (laughs) yeah and 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 using technology to talk technology to create a real competitive advantage that's that's what we're looking for and and um yeah we, we we we're uh we'd love to chat with anybody fits that bill i love it man always a pleasure learn a ton absolutely from you. yeah i love it we're Fountain gonna city I, I i didn't i didn't know that and now you know why <laughs> why the thing that you came to hang out at was called <laughs> the thing you came to hang out at yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely all right man we'll cool. do this again soon appreciate your time Sounds good yep. thank you brother Thanks for joining the conversation, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our time with Andrew. Jump in them show notes for more info on Andrew and Gilgamesh. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and all the other things that I'm supposed to remind you to do in your favorite podcast app. And if you want our weekly emails, go to forfintechsake.com and subscribe there. Until next time, folks, stay healthy, keep your head high, and I love you all.